If you want to turn your Bibles to Romans 7, if you grab the green Bible on the way in, it's page 941, 941. And if you need a Bible, be at my guest, your guest, take it. It's always our gift to you. If you need one for someone, help yourself, all right? But we're going to actually start off with a video. Before I introduce the, the whole thing, we've got a short video to show of what happened on the farm. First, there's a picture and then a video. So, So uh, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video, too. So it's a miracle, right? Uh, thought my dad, I, we all thought my dad wasn't going to make it. He didn't either. Uh, it was a miracle. And now he's on the tractor. He's hauling logs. Some people aren't happy. Uh, he's hauling kids. Uh, it's hard to finish off an old farmer. It's hard to finish off an old farmer. Though someday he will finally get to heaven when his job is done. He will finally get to heaven, and he'll look for, he's looking forward to that. But we're going to see another old man that it's hard to finish off, and this one is not positive. I'm glad my dad made it, but this old man that we're going to talk about next is not positive. We're not glad that this one is hard to finish off. Uh, we've been reviewing. I'll get to that in just a minute here. We've been reviewing... Uh, We've been in Romans. I'll review Romans real quick. Romans, we can be made right with God through our faith in Jesus Christ, right? Uh, we have, can have the righteousness of Jesus Christ by putting our faith in Jesus. The result, we've been looking at the results. The result is we are now free from slavery to sin. We're free from slavery to sin, but that doesn't mean our battle is over. We've been talking about that. Far from it, it's a lifelong battle, a lifelong battle. Think of the Civil War and slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation, the slaves were set free. Were they free? Were they free? Yeah, kind of, but they still had to, they still had to fight for their freedom. The rest of their lives, these freed slaves had to battle for their freedom and had to battle for equality. And, and so, so that's what, same thing with us. We are set free by Jesus Christ, but it's a lifelong spiritual battle. And we're going to see today from Romans 7 that our, that I, I titled this our lifelong spiritual battle, but it's a battle we can win. It's a battle we must win. Yeah, I want to encourage us to win it, okay? Let's uh, pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for every person who's here. Uh, we just pray that whether it's live or live stream, wherever people are, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word. We pray that, and if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus, never surrendered their life to you, God, that they would do that today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, Romans 7, another righteous results. Been looking at righteous results here, Romans 6, Romans 7. Another righteous results, and it's freedom from the law. 
freedom from the law. Paul uses a marriage and death illustration to start out in Romans 7. A marriage and death. I'm going to hit the whole chapter. We're going to do this a little differently, the big sweeping brush here. But he uses a marriage and death illustration in Romans 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as she is. He is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what was once to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Uh, did I go too far? Yeah, stop there. We're hold on to seven. Hold on to seven. All right. So Paul uses a marriage and death illustration Through Jesus Christ, we have been set free from the law. He's making this point. We've been set free from the law to fulfill God's ultimate purpose. That through the Spirit now, through the Spirit to bear spiritual fruit. That's God's ultimate purpose of the law and everything else. He, he, he's, he's, uh, our, now the goal is through the Spirit. We're free from the law. Through the Spirit we can bear spiritual fruit. Then Paul stresses that the good law produced bad results. The good law produced sin and death. Let's pick this up in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy righteous and good did that which is good then become death to me by no means nevertheless in order that sin might be recognized as sin it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment sin might be utterly might become utterly sinful we know that the law is spiritual but i am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin so we see here that the good law produced bad sin and death the good law produced something bad sin and death which was its purpose The law's purpose was never to save anyone, not the Jews, not us. Following the law, we should follow the law, the holiness of it, but it was never to save us. It was to show us our need for a Savior. It was to show us the impossibility of following God's perfection. It was to show us our need for a Savior. So, so here we go. So we are free from the law, but not from following the law. We're still called to holiness. Okay, but we are free from the law's negative gravitational pull. 
It's negative gravitational pull. It's effects, which, is, which are sin and death. But though we're free from sin and the law, we still face a lifelong spiritual battle to live free. We still face that lifelong spiritual battle. Anybody not facing that battle anymore? Take your pulse. They're probably dead. All right? We're lifelong until your last breath. You're going to fight this battle, okay? Now, so here we go. And this is what I'm really going to focus on. I was setting us up with a couple those original verses. But here we go. In Romans seven fifteen to 25, this is what we're going to focus on. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, who do it but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death that is subject to death? From this body, I'm sorry, this body, I'm blurring a couple of versions there. Rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Wow. Probably nobody here can relate to that, but wow. All right, first of all, first thing that jumps out at us from this passage is our struggle with sin is never over. Never over. Our old sinful flesh Although it's been, we crucify it, it's been crucified and we crucify it daily, it still tries to survive and thrive in us, okay? It's always, our battle with sin, our struggle is never going to be done. I'm going to use a dog illustration because I know a lot of you like your dogs, all right? Here's a dog illustration. So you have a pet dog, okay? A pet dog. You pet your, your dog, it sits on your lap, it, it, you feed it, it treats, it licks your face and lips, oh, right? it kisses you, right? But, but just, that's your, that's your pet dog. But just let your puppy, your dog, outside unattended for just a few moments, and what does that dog become? Cujo. Cujo. It becomes Cujo. Uh, it, 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 it rolls in dead, on dead animals. It finds a dead animal, it rolls on the dead animal, right? It eats poop. Any kind of poop it can find, it, it will eat it. It doesn't matter what poop did, it will eat that, that poop. It, that's what dogs do. I, I grew up with lots of dogs on the farm. Loved my dogs. I didn't let them kiss my lips, but I love my dogs. I love them. And, uh, and, and I, I, I just think, I just still picture my dog puddles and, Tootsie and 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 they would they would I would catch them out in the barn while I was out working in the barn I would catch them going up into the gutter and licking in the gutter they would find something you think that's gross every one of your dogs would do it I promise you and I go what are you doing I'd be disgusted how could my wonderful dog be licking out of the gutter and they would like 
And they would like put their head down and kind of slink off, you know, and be ashamed. And as soon as I turned my back, back in the gutter, licking some, finding something to lick. That's what they did. It was disgusting. And and not only that, they would go out hunting. <clears throat> my wonderful, friendly dogs that we played for, and they, you know, slept, you know, slept. We go camping. They're sleeping, sleeping right on top of us. You know, our dogs. They would go out. And I would see them. All of a sudden, I'd see them all out there doing something. I'd go out, and they were surrounding a woodchuck hole. And they're digging in that woodchuck hole. It was crazy. They would take turns. One at a time, they would be digging their way in, come out covered with dirt, like saliva. You know, look like they had rabies, rabid dogs. And they would take turns, and they would just circle. And all of a sudden, one of them would start growling, barking, pull it out, throw it up in the air. They'd all jump on it, and they'd devour it from head to toe. The woodchuck is gone. I'm like, who are these animals? Who are these dogs? They can't be my. Who, who are they? I don't even know them anymore. Which one's the real dog? Which one? Humans are the same. Christians are the same. Some nobody here, but you probably know Christians just like this. Uh, the same. We we have two natures. I'm kidding. We all have this problem, right? It's shocking what we do. It's shocking what we think, right? Not you, but someone you might know. It's they, what they what they do. It's it's shocking. All right. It's not shocking if you just read Romans seven with me. It's not shocking at all, is it? Which is the real dog? Which is the real you? Which is the real one? We both both are. Remember Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Right? I mean, did I get that wrong? Uh, what did I say? Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, you, know, you remember that? You remember Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? One, you know, they were both the same guy, one, but one was a monster. And the, the key is, we're going to see the key next week. Now, next week, the key is, don't miss next week, next couple weeks. So we're going to really hit this. But the key is, which nature do you feed? Which one do you feed? That is the key on which animal it is that day, which, which person we are that day. And what do we feed that animal? Do we feed it crap out of the gutter or healthy treats? You know, what do we feed? The, the, which, what, what do we feed those two natures? That's, the, that's which one eat, will emerge on, on any given day, what we're feeding it and, and which one. So our struggle with sin is never over. And back to Romans 7, we will fall on our faces many times. The Apostle Paul, the perfect Apostle Paul, beaten, shipwrecked, you know, you know, stoned, he came back from the dead, the healed people, all these amazing ministries. He sinned. Yeah. Whatever you struggle with, he struggled with. Look what he says there. He, every, he's constant battle. We will fall on our, we, our struggle with sin is never over and we will fall on our faces many times. That's what we get out of here. Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man number three. The, I know there's like 20 of them now, but the original with Tobey Maguire and there's Spider-Man one, two, and three. And now they're up to all these other ones. But anyway, the first, the number three was my favorite one. Tobey Maguire number three. And, and you'll see why here. It had such a spiritual meaning to it. Uh, this, this, what happened to Spider-Man is this dark entity from another planet comes down and bonds with Peter Parker. You know, those who saw it know what I'm talking about. This dark entity bonded with Peter Parker, <clears throat> which created an intense inner turmoil for him. Just like Romans 7. It reminded me, I, I'm, I'm like a Christian. I had to write this story. I was thinking the whole time. One minute, he's good old Spidey. 
And the next minute, he morphs into this dark Spider-Man. And, and these dark tentacles are coming up on him and taking him over. You remember that? And he, he's covered with these dark tentacles, and he becomes somebody different. And, and he, he's now mean. He's vengeful. He's not just saving somebody. He's punishing and hurting people. He, he's tempted and gives into these terrible things. No, Spider-Man, no. You can't be doing that. Gives into these horrible things. His girlfriend doesn't know, doesn't know him anymore. She's traumatized by this guy and and she doesn't trust him anymore right uh, we all are that spider-man we all are we have to fight this battle we're going to crash many times just like spider-man falling off the web we're going to crash many times but like spider-man we have to keep on fighting and we can win we can win because we know, and this is the key, we know that the war has been won. Now, here we go. Our struggle with sin is never over. We will fall on our faces many times, but we know that the war has been won. It's been won. And we will win if we persevere. We will win. Star Trek, the real one, the original Star Trek. Captain Kirk and Spock, right? I'll never forget the one episode on Star Trek. Uh, uh, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, is beamed somewhere. And when he's beamed, what shows up at the other end? When he's transported, what shows up is two Captain Kirks. Anybody remember that one? I know Bob does. Oh, yeah, good. Zeke numbers. Two Captain Kirks. One is the good Captain Kirk. And the other one is the bad, evil Captain Kirk. He was, his, his personality was split into two, good versus evil. And the rest of the show, they're fighting each other, battling each other. And, and good Captain Kirk's trying to undo all the damage that the bad guy's doing on the ship and everywhere else. It was, it's crazy, crazy. And finally, they're wrestling and fighting each other, and somehow they get on the, the beamer there and, and transporter, and, and they're beamed again. And this time, they, he shows up as one person again. He's back to one person and he survives this beaming and traumatic event he said he said i saw what no one should ever see what no one should ever see you know what he's wrong we must see it we must face it and we have to fight it we have to fight it spock had a a great response to all this whole thing i'll never forget uh spock who is half Vulcan and half human, half Vulcan. I gotta do the fingers. Uh, that's the best I could do. Hi, he, uh, he, yeah. Well, yeah, oh, there you go. Good. I see two hands. I see those hands. This isn't an evangelistic. I just see two, you know, good job. I'm seeing them. Good, good. Caleb and Mark. Is that Mark? Oh, oh, Rob. Good. Very good. Very good. Got some Trekkies. Got some Trekkies. That's good. Alright, so, uh, so, <laughs> so he's half Vulcan, half human, and he, he says, he's telling Captain Kirk, my two natures struggle all the time. The Vulcan rational self versus the human emotional self. He goes, they are constantly battling and struggling all the time. But he says, my intelligence, my intelligence enables me to survive and make the right choices. You get that? My intelligence helps me to survive this inner battle and make the right choices in spite of my human side wanting to go crazy, you know. And, and, and we must, we all have, that's powerful, isn't it? We all have that same battle going on. We have to face the fact our two natures are constantly battling, but our intelligence, our knowledge, our knowledge 
of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what allows us to win the battle. It's our knowledge of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's it. If we persevere. If we persevere. Our struggle is never over. We will crash lots, but we will win if we persevere. Perseverance. Now, I want to read this passage again, and I'm, we're going to come to the climax, verses 24 and 25, where I'm going to camp out on here for a little bit. All right. I want to read it and focus on this dramatic ending, because you're going to never read this passage the same again after you see what Paul is really talking about. Well, I'm going to start it again. Verse 15. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who, who does it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, for that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the mem... i got a couple versions working here. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Here we go. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord. So let's go to verse 24 again, and this time use the, uh, use the 1984 version here. Okay, yeah, here we go. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? This body of death. Wretched. What a wretched man. Paul is wretched at this point. We all go through cycles of wretched, don't we? No one is more miserable than a Christian living in sin. No one. No one is more miserable than a Christian. We, as Christians, when we are living in sin, when we are defeated by a sin, when we have fallen to a sin again and again and again. You know, there's no, no one more wretched. Why? Well, Ephesians 4.30 tells us why. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? When we sin. When we go against anything in God's word. We aren't, when we aren't taking steps forward in our purpose for God. When we, when we aren't living the way he wants us to live. When, when we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit who lives in our heart. The Holy Spirit's in us. He's created a new creation in us, right? He's in us. He's part of us. He's like the Vulcan DNA now. You know, he's, he's in us. It, it, it's who we are. And if the Holy Spirit who is in us is grieved, we're going to experience grief. We've grieved the Holy Spirit. He's, we're going to experience grief. We will be a miserable wretch. A miserable wretch. That's what gives me some hope. With my son, Ryan. That gives me some hope. He was never happy in his sin. He was as miserable as I've ever seen anybody. Ever. That gives me hope that I could see him again. 
I tell people all the time who are in sin, you're a Christian, right? Well, yeah, but you've just left your wife to go live with another woman, and you seem happy. Well, yeah, I feel like this is what God wanted from me. I go, you can't be a Christian. It's impossible. It's impossible. If, if we are in sin and happy and not being disciplined by God, and I'll tell them, if you aren't disciplined by God, if God doesn't do something really serious to you in the near future, I'm scared for you because hell's waiting for you. That's way worse. If, if we are in sin, if someone claims to be a Christian, I run to these people all the time. If we're in sin and we're happy in our sin and we're not being disciplined by God, that is a bad sign. Bad sign, bad sign. Uh, a true Christian is wretched in sin. Wretched in sin. Do you know why? Well, we, what's that? I heard a couple of you held it out there. We, because we may be stuck in our sin. We may be bound up in our sin. We may be backslidden, but our sin repulses us. A true Christian is repulsed by that sin, is disgusted by that sin, is ashamed of that sin, right? That, that, that's what a true Christian is. And these people who live these lives that go against God's word completely and say, I'm a Christian, but I can still be X, Y, and Z. It's impossible. It's impossible. Do not be deceived. Right? And, and, but, but if we're really a Christian, our sin will repulse us. Just like in verse 24 when Paul says this, he says, What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. We, who will rescue me? Wretched from this body of death. The Romans were experts at killing people, at torturing and killing. We already know about the cross, right? We all know what the cross was the worst torture. You know, they invented the crucifixion. That's what the Romans did. But they also had another way of killing a condemned criminal. Uh, when they were not in such a hurry to kill them, they would actually take a dead body and put it on the back of the person and chain it very tightly, strap it to them in such a way that they could not get that dead body off. And that dead body would rot. And the live person would rot with that dead body. Slowly rot to death. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, who will rescue me from this body of death? That, that, that's what would happen. The condemned person would rot to death with the dead person. That's what Paul is talking about. He had seen it many times. He would see it many times in the Roman world. Uh, he was probably thankful he was chained to live Romans. You know, he said, oh, poor Paul, chained to the Roman soldiers. You know, while he's writing the Bible. Well, he's probably thrilled just to be chained to a live person. You know, when they finally killed him, they chopped his head off. It was quick. You know, he was probably thankful. Right. Uh, so he had something to be thankful for. Be thankful in all things. That's what he was writing about. Right. So but can you imagine? But every one of us is does live like this. Every one of us knows the reality of the body of death. We know that. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we love God, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we love Him, but we still have this rotten, rotting struggle going on, don't we? Right? We still have this going on. We, 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 feel, like, we feel like Gollum. Gollum. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the movie Lord of the Rings. By the way, I don't, Rem, Remington's not here today. Uh, hopefully they're going to see, see this. But, but Remington actually in, 
created that character that you see in the movie. Remington, he was just baptized. Remington, he created that. He, they lived in New Zealand for eight months making the Lord of the Ring movies. Uh, and so I tell them all the time, Remington, you hit a home run. You, that's a perfect picture of Gollum. Didn't he do a great job of that? Uh, just amazing. Uh, it's a perfect picture of Gollum, but it's also a perfect picture of our struggle too, right? That's a picture of us. Don't forget, Frodo, Frodo had the same struggle, remember? Frodo had the same struggle with the ring, the same thing, and the only thing that saved him, bitten off the finger, you know, you know, so the only thing that saved him for the, from the fires is, was that, and <clears throat> he had the same struggle, but, but he kept fighting. Remember how he kept fighting it, fighting it, fighting it? Gollum had surrendered to it. But he kept fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, but the, that, that is a picture. Of the body, the wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body of death. It's all pictures of what we are battling on a, on a regular basis. But the great thing is Paul does not end with verse 24. Thankfully, there is a verse 25. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The war has already been won. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, we got this rotten battle we're fighting, you know. Yeah, we're trying to just constantly cut, cut off this rotting body. You know, we're constantly battling it. But, but we, it's already been won. We are guaranteed victory. We're guaranteed victory if we persevere. Frodo kept fighting. And he was delivered at the end. Frodo kept fighting. Gollum gave up. We, we have to persevere persevere romans 8 next week we're going to do romans next week and probably the next three weeks so don't miss the next three weeks because it's about how to live victorious this is just today setting up romans 8 the struggle that we face and and the battle that we're facing but the next three weeks is how to live victorious don't miss them don't miss them all right we will battle until our last breath but the victory what thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord the victory has already been accomplished yes we feel trapped in this brutal battle for spiritual survival don't we we feel trapped by it but the rescue has already been accomplished in our life it's already accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been hammering away at this in Romans. The cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ has already accomplished this victory, this rescue. Uh, you, you've been watching the news and, and Hamas has these hostages who doesn't look good for them. But but we, we they, they, think about being a hostage, though. You're in a hostage trapped by Hamas, by these terrorists, and, and they can't see Israel's response. They're stuck somewhere in some basement, hearing bombs falling. They're, they're stuck. They're blindfolded. They're, who knows if they're being fed? You know, we know they're being tortured. We know stories coming out, definite torture. But think about, they cannot, they don't know what Israel's doing. They just know that they're trapped. But Israel's victory is inevitable. It's inevitable. It, it, they're going to win. Sooner or later, they're going to win. They have the firepower, but more important, they have God's power. They have the prophetic promises. Israel will win in the end. Jesus will rescue them. But whether these people are rescued there or here, there, in the air, you know, that whole thing. But, but, but it's, it, they, they're going, we're like that. We definitely are going to be rescued. We're, we may feel trapped. We may be going through horrible struggles and trials, but we know that we're going to be rescued. And it's easy to get discouraged during this time, isn't it, during these battles? Uh, does this f- sound familiar to anyone here? 
We put our faith in Jesus. We know we're saved. We've been saved from our sin. We're excited. We're happy. We, we are, are forgiven. It's awesome, right? Remember when you put your faith in Christ, you get baptized, all that. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. But then spiritual gravity takes over. Nobody here, but you might know somebody like this. Spiritual gravity takes over because we are scarred. We are broken. We have strongholds in our lives which pull us down. Spiritual gravity. You can write that song next time. Spiritual gravity. We are, we're excited about our salvation. Remember that? You're excited about our salvation. We love Jesus. We want to live for God. We want to live for him. But we still crash a lot. We still fall on our face. We still sin shamefully like that dog in the gutter. We sin shamefully. Spiritual gravity. Spiritual gravity. Then Satan comes along to uh, help us out. He comes along to accuse us. Remember, we keep talking about this. I'm going to keep talking about this. Wait till next week. He accuses us. We, and we mistake his accusation for God's voice. What are you doing in that gutter? Right? You're not my dog. You're no dog of mine. You're never going to kiss me again. You're never going to lick me again. Right? And, and, and we, we mistake his accusation for God's voice, but God does not accuse. He does what? Come on, help me out. Convicts. He convicts us. Thank you. Listen, God does not accuse. We're going to see that in Romans 8. He convicts us. He convicts us. He says, get out of that gutter. He doesn't say, what are you doing in that gutter? He knows what we're doing in the gutter. That's why he sent... His son to die on a cross. He knows we can't get out of the gutter. He knows. But God convicts us. And as soon as we say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, help me, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. As soon as we say that, it's done. Any voice you hear after that is not God's voice. It's Satan's accusation. And sometimes uh, we do the devil's job for him. It's called self-condemnation. We beat ourselves up. Self-condemnation, right? I remember one time uh, preaching on self-condemnation, and, and a guy came up to me, and a lady came up to me, a husband and wife came up after, and she goes, you're talking about me. I'm always self-condemnation, beating myself up. And the husband, I'll never forget, he goes, yeah, I tell her she should get a job as a, as a tour guide for guilt trips. I never forgot that. That was too funny. But that's what we do. We do the devil's job. And many, this is the problem, many give up at this point. You remember the four types of seeds? How many made it, were fruitful, and survived? One. One. One out of four. Only one out of four seeds survive and bear fruit. I want to encourage you. I hope we're not one of those other three seeds. Don't quit. Remember, we're about progress, not perfection. Remember the sanctification? We're not about perfection. We're about progress. Uh, when, when, and when we're in the trenches, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to miss the ground taking because we're, we're fighting in the trenches. Trench warfare, it's, it's inches at a time. You know what I'm talking about? It's happening in Ru Ukraine right now with Russia and Ukraine. They're inches at a time. And 
that's what happens in the spiritual life. We are seeing, we, we are fighting for inches at a time, and it's easy to lose sight of, of what has happened in our life, how much ground we have taken, how many feet we have taken over the years. I'll, I tell people all the time, they'll come to me, I'm discouraged, I just did X, Y, and Z, I can't believe I did this, and, and, I, and I tell them, listen, yeah, you fell, but you used to fall daily, remember? You used to do that every day, and I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, come on, come on, you can, come on, break this stronghold. You, and now you only fall occasionally. That's huge, right? It, it's not about... Uh, Perfection, it's about progress. We have to see how God is working in our life with progressive sanctifications. One good time, one time it's good to be progressive is with sanctification, right? So, so it's, 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 we have to see how God is working in our life. And the struggle, and this is really important, the struggle itself shows something very, very important. When someone is fighting sin, they may be hooked and caught and battling, you know, they're being reeled in by sin, by Satan, by the world, by the flesh. And, but, but they're fighting, fighting, fighting. When we do that, when we're fighting, 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 it shows something. What does that show? It shows the Holy Spirit's at work. It shows that we're really a Christian when we fight. We may be reeled in at some point. We may be knocked down. We may be hit over the head, you know, by the fishermen. You know, but, but, but the struggle itself shows that the Holy Spirit is at work. This is what scares me, that someone who's a Christian and doesn't struggle. They don't struggle. Listen, if you cannot, if you don't struggle with whatever sin, there's all kinds of them. You know, we've listed the list, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, many, many times. If there's no struggle, if you can live in sin peacefully, you are not a Christian. Or possibly, you're possibly one who has fallen into the trap of the devil and been taken, taken captive to do his will. Neither one's a good look, is it? So either you're not a Christian or you've been taken captive by the devil to do his will uh, for one of the Timothys. i got a block here. All right, so anyway, uh, neither one's a good look. Christians, will we, will we as Christians keep battling? Will we persevere? Will we fight to the death? Hebrews 12.4 talks about this very thing where he says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Will we fight to the death? I want to encourage you. You may have been, you may have really crashed this week, today. Join the club. Welcome to the human race, right? You may have crashed. Uh, get back into the fight. Get back up. Get back up and, and get back here next week. Hopefully live, but hopefully we'll have live stream too. But uh, get back here next week because we're going to really focus. We're going to really focus on, on how to live in victory. With this battle going on, the whole, Romans 8 is powerful. Keys to living in spiritual victory no matter what we're going through. So important. So important. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're still a captive Maybe you're, you are a captive to somebody far worse than Hamas. You're a captive to Satan. You're a captive to sin. You're a captive to the world. Maybe you're carrying a rotting body around and not even trying to get rid of it. Maybe, maybe you are that rotting body. If you're not a Christian, you are that rotting body. We are that rotting body. The, you're the living dead. You're the walking dead. We all were that at one time. Every one of us was the, the living dead, the walking dead, the rotting, walking, rotting zombie. Spiritually, that's what we were. But you can be set free right now. You can be set free right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And guess what verse I'm going to use to prove that? 
think we heard, I think we heard a song about this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have eternal life this very moment. Eternal life doesn't start in heaven someday. It starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You can have a brand new life the very moment you give your, put your faith in Jesus. Give your life to him. Repent of that sin and give your life to him. You can have a brand new life at that very moment. When you put, you, we can put your faith in Jesus, in his death on the cross that pays for our sin. And, and pays for our shame, wipes away the shame, so that we can be forgiven in his resurrection from the dead. We put our faith in the resurrection from the dead. Remember Romans, when we were talking about that, uh, uh, you know, justified through his resurrection, remember we talked about that? His resurrection, because we put our faith in his resurrection, we can now live a new life, a life of freedom, a life that we can actually fight now. Fight the battle, just like the slaves set free. Now we can actually start to fight that battle. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe... You are here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You are spiritually a slave still to sin, to Satan, to the world, to the, to the, the, the flesh. You're, you are the walking dead. You know, I, that's me. I'm the walking dead. I, I'm living a rotten life. It's getting worse all the time. But you can be set free. You can live free starting right now. You can now, you can now fight and win, fight and win spiritual battles by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by, by repenting of your sin, turning away from the old sin. Repent. I repent of that. I don't want it anymore. You can pray that right now. I repent of my old life. I repent of my sin. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word, Lord. I repent and I put my faith my trust, my hope, my faith in your son, Jesus. I put my faith in his death on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in his resurrection from the dead to give me a new life. I give you my life. I don't want the old life anymore. I want life in Jesus. I put my trust in him. If you have put your faith in Jesus, something amazing has just happened. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a new being. That old, rotten, sinful self has been dealt a death blow. You will be able to do things spiritually and see things spiritually that you never dreamed possible because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. If you're here and you have a family member or a friend, tell them. Tell me on the way out. If you have no one to tell, tell me. Fill out the card, stick it in the box, text me, email me. Let, let somebody know. Maybe somebody at work, somebody at school. Let somebody know. Your grandmother's been praying for you. Call her. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you.
encourage you. While you're praying about that, if you're already a Christian, how's the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning? Maybe you have fallen and you just can't get up. Then crawl. Crawl to the cross. Take hold of the cross and pull yourself up. Say, God, I want to get I want to get back up and back to you and back in the fight. Help me to fight this battle. And God, get me back here the next three weeks so I can really move forward. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would complete what your word has started this morning. And I do pray that everyone would be ready for Romans 8 and really moving forward in a whole new way. Pray that in Jesus' name.